Life Audio. Hey, it's time for Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and I will be right with you in just a moment after this. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Well, hello, everybody. I am Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. You know where you are. This is the place where real girls have real talk about real issues while seeking to walk in real faith and figure out how to live out our real faith. This week and for the next three weeks for August, as a special blessing, what we're going to do here in studio is look at some clips of a very special series that launched me in ministry called The London Sessions with Cynthia Garrett. It's a show that has aired on TBN. It has not aired anywhere else or on any other platform. And if you like the excerpt that you're going to get sort of here, then you can go and watch the full one-hour episodes of these shows at CynthiaGarrett.org. If you just go to CynthiaGarrett.org, you can find out how to get there or just see the link in the description here. So for now, I hope this blesses you um, because I've been having real talk with real women for a long time. It's the thing that actually launched me in ministry. It's the cause of women that has actually made me care about what God's opinion is about our lives and about how we live our lives and about how we're thinking and about how bold we are or are not. I know for a fact that I was called to boldness. I know for a fact that I was called to wake up your boldness. So I hope you enjoy these conversations um, that are a part of the very first series in, in, in ministry, really, that I ever did. I call it ministry, but the funny thing is it's really, uh, these were just the first conversations that I had publicly with the camera running that mirror the conversations that I have every day in my real life with men and women anywhere that I go. Because everywhere I go, I'm just me. And I'm always looking for God's point of view in the madness. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to the London Sessions. 
Today's show is especially relevant to me because I think the subject of abuse, be it mental, emotional, or physical, is something that most shows and most people just don't like talking about. It's uncomfortable. And it's especially uncomfortable to talk about your own abuse because once you're in a place to discuss it in a forum like this, you don't want people feeling sorry for you because in large part you feel that you've made it past it or you wouldn't be able to share and discuss, but it's important to discuss openly. That said, it's also important, in my opinion, to talk about these things with all of you because we have a platform to bring the dark, uncomfortable things to light so that in the light we can help each other apply the word and God's power to their dark places and finally overcome the torment that might hold many people back. Because I've been there. When you have no self-esteem, which is one of the things that abuse always robs you of, you can't love yourself. When you can't love yourself, you can't value yourself. And you can't value your worth. And when you don't know what you're worth, you'll give yourself away. And when you give yourself away time after time after time, hoping to find something in the exchange that fills the need or numbs the pain, you eventually end up hopeless and suicidal. Because who really wants to live with the torment of hopelessness and despair? Well, millions of people around the world today are amazing at dressing up hopelessness and despair and, and that general feeling of being lost or floating through life rather glamorously. I know that one personally. We look at images of people daily in, in, in magazines or in the media or on the news who are hiding their abuse by continuing to be abused and exploited by secrecy and through feeling forced into a place of not being able to talk about it, not being able to find help for it. All of this breaks my heart, and all of it makes a show like today's extremely special to me. Well, as you listen today, there at home, and as you in the studio listen, I really want you to feel free to participate. Chime in, ask yourself questions, ask your neighbor questions, and share. Share your story. Learn to share your story. Learn where to get help. Learn what to do. Because every single one of us and every person watching needs to start the journey of unpacking any luggage that you may have that's marked abuse. It's time for another session. Let's chat. <laughs> Joining me today are Ariana Walker, who's the executive director of an amazing organization called Mercy Ministries UK. And she runs a six-month residential program that helps young women aged about 18 to 28 who are struggling with life-controlling issues such as self-harm, eating disorders, depression, low self-esteem, or abuse. And Kay Lawrence, who's a leading Christian psychotherapist, speaker, and teacher. Kay has specialisms including addiction, obsessive-compulsive behavior, self-esteem, and adult survivors of childhood abuse. You have an amazing story about what brought you to this, Ariane. Could you, would you share it? In terms of my family setting, we were brought up in a Christian home, loving Christian home. Parents were pastors and missionaries for a long time. And I think somewhere along the line, we, we began to believe, and no one said it, but it was this underlying belief system that if we do everything right, if we, you know, we're Christians, we love God, we go to church, we're building church, we're building the kingdom, then somehow that makes you immune from the troubles of the world. It makes you immune from trauma and, and tragedy. And actually, so, so when it happened to us, when we did experience trauma, we weren't expecting it, weren't looking for it, and didn't really know what to do with it. Um, my sister, who's 10 years younger than me, when she was 12, unbeknownst to any of us, she was befriended by a man in the local park who was 
in his late 20s, he had a nice car. He made her feel grown up. Uh, within weeks, he was sleeping with her. Within months, he had her on drugs. Within years, he destroyed her life. Mm. And none of us knew. We thought, you know, my parents, bless them, thought that she was being rebellious. Right. You know, that, that, that is the, the conclusion that you come to as a Christian. If, if the behaviours are, she was angry, she was abusing drugs, she, was, um, she tried to kill herself. We thought she was troubled, but we didn't know why. Um, and so it was, it was a very difficult situation when we then found out what happened. And it really rocked our faith. It rocked our understanding of who God is and where was he and the disappointment and the feeling of being betrayed, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the journey that we went on as a family uh, was very significant. And, and being on the other side of it now, there's so much to share. You know, my sister... Uh, became the first girl from the UK to be accepted onto the program, the Mercy Ministries program in America. Uh, and she, she experienced there the freedom and the, uh, and the opportunity to meet God for herself and to ask God those questions. You know, we ask therapists those questions. We ask leaders those questions. We ask, you know, people those questions of where was God. And no one can answer that except God himself. <sighs> And I have found time after time after time on the girls that we see on the program, in my own sister's life, in my own life, that God is not silent on these things. Mm -mm. God has something to say. God is, you know, the trouble is if we think that he is the source of our pain, then he can't be the resource for our healing. Absolutely. And so we have to get that bit straight first. Absolutely. Getting it straight for me was really aided by the scripture in which Jesus, it, Jesus tells the, the disciples, in this world you will yeah. have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I've overcome yeah. the world. Because yeah. what, I, what I realized is, you, you know, it, it, it was just like when he said, you know, the poor you will have with you always. Yeah. I think when you're abused, you sort of become um, a fighter for all. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm going to champion every cause. And I hated that there was poverty. I couldn't understand. You know, I was I would be in tears in such a way watching little children starving in Africa on, you know, the television channel at two o'clock in the morning in ways that barely made sense to my family. You know, my mom thought, well, I know you've got a very compassionate side, but what is this about? Well, of course, it was the brokenness of my abuse taught yeah. speaking, but that sort of reality that Jesus prepared us. He's, he really was telling us, look, there's going to be stuff here. I am not to blame yeah. for it. It's, yeah. you know, he, he loves us so much that he's given us free will, yeah. right? And we all want free, you want your will to choose. You want free will. We, yeah. we value that. That's something you give out of love. But unfortunately, many people choose to do wrong with their free will. Yeah. Just like the, the guy in the park yeah, he's that, issue. you know, hurt your sister. Yeah. But, you know, your story, though, makes me, me, me think about just the whole concept of recognizing the abuse, which, Kay, you know, you, you look at Ariana's family and realize they didn't recognize what had gone on, mm -hmm. you know. And my mom, for many, many years, did not recognize the ways in which my sister and I were both trying to say, mm -hmm. this has been done to us. This is being done to us. What do we do? We don't know what to do. And so the, the lashing out looks like, rebellion yeah. right. to the family or to other Christians. Kay, how do you recognize it? How do you counsel people? And are there people who come to you that sometimes you recognize it before they even want to talk Absolutely. about it? Absolutely. And sometimes people will come and not say it for years mm. because there's so much shame mm. and so much guilt that that stays shrouded. And, of course, keeping things secret 
is a great ground for the enemy to, uh, great fertile ground. Oh my goodness, it's so... So bringing it to the light is so important. And what we see in survivors of any form of abuse, I think that's important to note, any form of abuse, because often we think there's a hierarchy, you know, if it's sexual, it's much worse, if it's physical, if it's emotional, it's not so bad, but actually abuse is abuse, and the manifestations are the same. So we will see polarities in behaviour, We will see somebody who's very controlling or somebody who's completely out of control. We will see someone who's really angry or someone who's very timid. So we work with extremes. And within there, coping mechanisms are built up. You build up parts of your personality that are protectors. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They're to protect you. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the important things is the difference between symptoms and underlying root causes. You know, very often you'll become very aware quickly of people's symptoms, the behaviours we've just talked about, eating disorder, self-harming, depression. You know, they're, they're the branches on a tree, if you like. You can see those above ground. You can see those in people's lives. And lots of people, you know, try their best to cut off the branch. So they'll spend all their time and their effort and their, you know, resources on chop, 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 chop. And you can successfully chop a branch off a tree. However, if you don't deal with the root causes, then it's going to grow back either on the same place in the tree or somewhere else in a different coping mechanism, in a different destructive behavior. And and what's fascinating to me, and and Kay agrees with this, we've talked about it, is that the underlying root causes, regardless of the situation, are actually universal. It doesn't depend on gender or background or even the, the specific abuse. It's universal root causes like abandonment, rejection, shame, guilt, fear, anger, low self-esteem. Those are the roots that feed the tree that the branches are those behaviours on. And so unless you get help there into the roots, if you expose the roots and then deal with the roots, the tree's just going to stay. Yeah, the, root, the roots that deeply are affecting the heart. Yeah, right. they're heart issues. Yeah, they're totally heart issues. It has really made me understand why no man can judge but yeah. God. Because only God knows the thoughts and intentions exactly. of the heart. Yeah. It's really yeah. my, own, my own process has really helped me to understand that. What are the long-term effects of abuse? I think the first thing is the mask starts to get less and less vi- invisible to others. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then eventually it begins to get less and less invisible to yourself. You know, you start to know, wait a minute, yeah. my reaction here is not, mm. it's, it's extreme. Mm. I survived childhood sexual abuse and was raped when I was a teenager at about 15 years old. And eventually I realized that the long-term effects uh, for me and my own life had a lot to do with what I carried into my relationships, not just, mm. you know, not just my marriage, that has had, it, has had its own journey, but personal relationships, Absolutely. you know, friendships or the mm. point in which intimacy, mm-hmm. because mine was at the hands of a relative. Yeah. So intimacy mm-hmm. gets destroyed. The place in which you're supposed to feel safe right. when you get really close, you know, and you start yeah. telling your BFF everything, all of a sudden that place became a very scary place mm-hmm. because my intimacy safety was destroyed as a child. Yes. What Are there any other long-term effects of abuse that, that you really see, both of you? 
I think certainly things around trust, boundaries, the lack of boundaries. Oh, boundaries. Uh, And again, the polar opposite, absolute boundaries and no way in. Um, And the whole thing about intimacy is about allowing somebody else to experience you, to know you. Now, if you're keeping a secret that you are ashamed of, you will want to keep people at arm's Mm. length. So relationships get impacted. Friends, boyfriends, husbands, wives, children, all of it. I think there's an independence that can come. You know, there's this stronghold inside of, I can't trust anyone. It's me, myself and I. I can trust myself, I can, it, I, and you become reliant on yourself. Uh, and that builds walls then that, that you think are protecting you but are actually, in fact, isolating you. And so I think independence is, some, is a trait I've seen, uh, solving your own problems, be, meeting your own needs. You, know, you stop looking outward for anyone to give you anything because you can't trust that what they give you is going to be helpful. Oh. And so then it, it, it exacerbates yeah. the problem of loneliness. Yeah, completely. Which I think is just it's amazing because I know so many uh, victims of abuse that, that I meet or, or, or come to know or have helped counseling, they, they're so, they're, they're lonely and they're angry about even being lonely, yeah. but it's this, you know, it's this self-fulfilling yeah. Yeah. prophecy that yeah. you've gotten yourself into. It's interesting to me what you said about the words and how the words are so damaging. What we find really powerful is how, the, how in the healing process, words are just as powerful, positive words. So it's not just when in renewing the mind, it's not just a case of taking the thought captive, making it obedient to Christ and replacing it with the word of God. It's actually speaking out those words. So recognizing... I feel worthless because I was told I was worthless has to be replaced with I am not worthless because and there's you know you have to hear your own voice yes. uh, speak out truth and God's truth it's so powerful there's something about the spoken word I mean God created heaven and earth by the word there's a the there's a power yeah, yeah there's yeah, a the power word of God. and I think the enemy has used words to destroy and bring destruction and break down people you know we do this to each other and until we recognize the power of our words I think we're going to keep doing it oh it's true I think every Christian should read the book of James the part about the power of the tongue over and over and over every parent should staple it all over every wall in the house because your words and the power of your words can cause so much damage in your children's lives even well-meaning you know Christian parents You, you say things and you realize whoa, I am projecting all kinds of stuff onto this child who doesn't need to be damaged in this way. And it builds a belief system. I was just about to say, it's belief systems are built on words. And the person lives by that belief system. Yes, yes. And that's where I think you're right. You know, then the enemy kind of jumps in to the process and goes, oh, this person feels worthless because, you know, they had a parent who used to get angry when they were drinking or what have you and call them worthless or stupid, you know. And so then you go through your life living out this, well, I'm stupid. That's not the voice of God. Then it's the voice of, you know, the enemy kind of starts to speak through us. And I think, you know, you start to, you own it. I'm stupid. So you start to do poorly in school. I'm not really, I'm worthless. I'm stupid. So you, you don't think anyone likes you. 
and you start creating this life that's consistent with these words. Yeah. And you attract. Yeah, that lifestyle. You attract those people who yeah. are going to abuse you, who are going to hurt you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the thing we can take responsibility for is what we say to ourselves. Probably none of us would be as critical to another person as we are about ourselves. Well, it's the same with forgiving yourself. I have seen people forgive the most horrendous abuse and see freedom from it, but yet not be able to forgive themselves and hold themselves responsible in some way or other and then be trapped with the same um, consequences of unforgiveness, bitterness and anger and, and an inability to move on. And they're going, well, I've forgiven everybody. I don't know why. And it's like, well, you haven't forgiven yourself. Yes. You know, and that there is, there is definitely something about our own relationship with ourselves that we have to grow in. And it really helped help me to what you were saying earlier about the spoken power of the word to even forgive myself yeah. in certain ways out, out loud, you know, yeah. and, and just really recognizing that. Just like it says in Ephesians, you know, when we put on the armor of God, yeah. it's, you know, the sword of the spirit, you know, that's God. our sword. The word of God is yeah. the spoken word of God is the sword of our spirit. And, yeah. and I, you know, before I even understood any of these concepts or how to get healing for myself mm-hmm. in these ways, um, I remember just at a certain period of my life, I don't know, oh, 17 years ago, I'd write down scripture and I'd put it all over my house. It was on post-its. It was everywhere. And That's I would get up thing. in the morning and it was like those, you know, they were my affirmations. Every day I'd get up and I'd speak them out. And, yeah. and then, yeah. and I didn't even know what I was doing. Was renewing the mind. Right. I was renewing the mind. Right. And that, that how applicable is that scripture to every, every bit of this process? Yes. Yeah. The mind has to be renewed. Absolutely. To retrain all that negative, yeah. net, all those negative words that we've owned. The things we're teaching you now, forgiveness, renewing the mind, prayer, worship, confessing the word, these are tools that are not here for you to be free from your past. They are tools for the rest of your life. They're actually the basic Christian principles that God laid out in his word for us to have a response to our adversity. And because we don't understand that, we think it's, you know, a pleasant thing you read about in the Bible, not actual tools for lifelong success. And so really understanding that those things are not just for broken people, but for all of us to have healthy, whole Christian lives is absolutely vital. Completely. Patience in the process is it's just patience yeah. with yourself. Yeah. Patience I with others. <laughs> yeah, right. Patience with others. Yeah. It's critical. Yeah. But, you know, you think about it. I mean, how patient has God been with us? Oh, yeah. The desire or the tendency to even blame God that it's taking so long mm-hmm. can come in at a certain point when in reality, his patience and his mercy endures forever. Yes. And it's really that we should probably look to gratitude for the fact that he's helping us unpack Absolutely. the luggage yeah. as opposed to why is it taking so long to yeah. put all the steamer trunks filled with luggage away? Yeah. You know, exactly. yeah, some true. of us come with a lot. And I think we can mix God up with our earthly parents, can't we? Yeah. So, you know, <sighs> yeah. he gets blamed for all sorts of things. Yes, yeah. yes. Or with no. a strict teacher who gives us a list of things to do and how to behave and how to be. And, you know, we go away and we try and fix ourselves and go back to God and say, am I, am I, am I good yet? Right. You know, am I acceptable yet? Right. Rather than understanding that he's actually with us and in us and through us in every step of the journey. And I guess when you see your life as a journey, 
being free from your past is just a part of that journey. Right. And then you just carry on with God at your side and living life that will still have challenges and still have adversities to overcome. Right. And tools stay the same. Right. But healing is possible. Absolutely. Yeah, but healing is possible. My sister is now, uh, after being at Mercy, and uh, she graduated 14 years ago, she is now the Executive Director of Programs at Mercy Ministries in the UK. Ah. Uh, married with two beautiful children and is living out her freedom by helping others through their freedom. And it's, it's phenomenal to see that. Wow. Uh, that cycle, you know, it's back to Isaiah 61, they will rebuild the devastated places. Oh, yeah. You know, we see that time and time again where those who've been the most devastated are, they become incredible builders yes. of devastated places. And oh. they will rebuild the ruined walls and they become so powerful in their passion so to powerful. see freedom in other people. Yes. So powerful. Isaiah 61, in my mind and heart, just has to be the cornerstone yeah. of everything. You know, because even even as you go on and Jesus says, I came to bind up the brokenhearted and to set the captives free, you really realize that, that, that that's a part of his ministry that, you know, he never gave it away to anyone else. Right. He gave us the ability to go out and heal in his name and speak yeah. in his name. He gave the disciples, you yeah. know, when he sent out the 70, yeah. you know, and and... But he never told anyone else, you can bind up the brokenhearted and you can set the captives <laughs> right. free. So him partnered in this process yeah. with mm -hmm. you is powerful. Yeah. powerful. Yeah. The power. It's the, the power. It <laughs> yes, it's the power. For all of you who are watching today in closing, I think it's important to leave you with something that John 16 says, um, verse 33. These things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And Jesus was telling us that because he wanted us to be prepared for the fact that he really did speak about the tribulation that we would experience here in this broken world because the world has fallen and because he loves us and gave us free choice. And some people make the choice to do wrong. So if people have made a choice to do wrong in your life, just remember that Jesus has overcome the world. That's a promise. That's for all of us. And the overcoming looks like different things for different people, but it's important that you connect yourself to organizations like Mercy, to psychotherapists like Kay, to places where you can get the help that you need that's really grounded in the power that you need behind the help. And for us, what we know as believers in Christ is that there is no power known to man like the power of, of a living God, like the power that we experience in Christ. And we thank you for watching another London session. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and I'll see you next time. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.